On today's episode of the Aggie Wagon Podcast, we're making the argument for WAC Player of the Year. Yes, the time has come to open the conversation about who's the best player in the conference. So far, we have about four or five guys who have really separated themselves in the race, including New Mexico State's Teddy Allen, who outdueled Grand Canyon's Javon Blackshear Saturday and beat Seattle's Darian Trammell Monday night. So today, I'm going to give my top five candidates for the WAC Player of the Year award and why Player of the Year is way more fair than the NBA's most valuable player. Let's dive in. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Aggie Wagon Podcast, a place for New Mexico State men's basketball skeptics, fanatics, doubters, and really anyone who likes basketball. I'm your host, Stephen Wagner. Let's shoot the breeze. What's going on, folks? I'm back again after watching the Aggies strengthen their hold on the whack with a 68-55 win over Seattle in Seattle in a battle for first place and can now win the regular season conference title outright by winning out. And as I'm recording this, I'm currently sipping on coffee and chowing down on a banana because I am still recovering from the 40-minute frat party that is a Grand Canyon home game. I got to spend my weekend in Phoenix for a much-needed getaway to watch the the New Mexico State GCU game, and that atmosphere is undoubtedly the weirdest atmosphere at a basketball game I've ever experienced. By the way, Phoenix is a fantastic city. Love Phoenix. Huge fan. Lots to do. Good bar districts. Beautiful downtown area, but I digress. So sometimes you can just walk into a sporting event, and the atmosphere just feels different and more intense. Like You can just feel like something big is about to go down. I remember a couple of years ago when I was on when I was on the sideline when Texas played LSU in football and how amped that atmosphere was. And I remember the first time I experienced the NMSU UNM games, both at the Pan Am and at the pit, and how intense that atmosphere felt. I walked into GCU Arena and thought it was going to feel the same way for a few seconds when I heard the band and saw the PAC student section, but Then a little bit after, I noticed that it almost felt like the students were just there for the sake of being there, not necessarily because that they were amped because a basketball game was about to go down. I'm not even certain if I can actually call it a basketball atmosphere because a basketball atmosphere is a hostile crowd that is about to fanatically engage in the events on the court because all of the fans in attendance have an extremely vested interest in their team winning. That is not what I experienced Saturday. That was a frat party with dancing and jumping and yelling for the sake of dancing and yelling and jumping. Now, I can see why GCU gets the student turnout that they do. Because even if you don't care about basketball, that is a fun event. That is literally a party. But if I'm a college basketball player, I'm having a harder time not playing or excuse me, I'm having a harder time playing in the Pan Am than I am at GCU Arena because GCU is loud for the sake of being loud. Not that that's a terrible thing. And they do get better student attendance per game at the Pan Am than anyone in the WAC, which there's something to be said for. But anyway, that was my experience at Grand Canyon over the weekend, and I think I've earned the right to give my two cents on that. Huge turnout, crazy crowd, but it's definitely not breaking my top five game day atmosphere list. So let's turn to a better topic of conversation, and that is the WAC Player of the Year race. So if the season ended today and I had a vote, this would be my top five. Allen, AMAC, Flag, Trammell, Blackshear. That's how I would vote. 
I think Teddy Allen is the best player in the conference. He was my pick to win WAC Player of the Year preseason, and he's my pick to win Player of the Year with three games left on the regular season schedule, and here's why. So I was up late last night after the Grand Canyon game, and I was thinking about Teddy Allen's 30 points and 10 rebounds and just how freaking incredible that performance was in the loudest environment that NMSU has seen since they played UNM back in December. And I realized something. As unbelievable a team performance that was and as great as Teddy Allen was and how much he undoubtedly played a huge role in blowing out a conference opponent on the road, the Aggies did not need Teddy Allen to win that game. Was he undoubtedly valuable to them? And did they win by as much as they did because in part of how well he played? Most definitely, I will not argue that. But they didn't absolutely have to have him to win that game. Now, I know you can say, well, if you take away his 30 points and his 10 rebounds, then NMSU has 30 fewer points and 10 fewer rebounds. No, they wouldn't. Because someone would have replaced his minutes with another player. And everyone on this roster is good enough to give some kind of production. And if you think Jabari Rice and Johnny McCants wouldn't have also taken over that game knowing what was on the line and they wouldn't have raised their own levels of play and assumed a much larger role, I won't say you're wrong because we can't know for sure what would happen. But I would argue with you that you would have seen a serious spike, a serious positive spike in production from both of them. New Mexico State is undoubtedly the deepest team in the WAC by a lot. The only scholarship guys on this team who haven't gotten consistent minutes in WAC play since they've been available are Vershawn Cotton, LeVar Williams, and Chichi Avery. And Avery has actually been getting some minutes lately, which means the Aggies are anywhere from 8 to 10 or 11 guys deep every single night. That's an advantage a ton of programs at this level do not have. If you completely took away the starting five, as if they even aren't on the roster, NMSU would still probably make the conference tournament because they've historically been so well coached and NMSU's basketball program has been in such good shape. And I'd be willing to bet they could potentially surprise a few people with, you know, maybe a little bit of a run, maybe winning a game or two in the conference tournament. And I know this is a weird comp especially because there's sports at different levels and different sports altogether. But New Mexico State basketball is the Green Bay Packers. Well run from an administrative standpoint, or in NMSU's case, getting quite a bit of attention from the athletic director and being set up very well for success in basketball. Really smart coach who has proven that he can win at this program and at this level and has really built a well-run dynasty in a conference that hasn't been relevant in basketball on a national scale since most of these kids were in junior high. And when I say relevant on a national scale, I mean, you know, more than getting more than just your automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. The Aggies have been the thing in the whack that has worked, just like the Packers have been the thing in the NFC North that's worked. Their win percentages are even almost identical. The last three years, NMSU's conference win percentage is 82%. The Packers is 83%. And just like the Packers, the Aggies are led by a star who just makes the game look easy. But you can't say New Mexico State would be a bad team without Teddy Allen. He just happens to be the icing on the cake. Just like the Packers wouldn't be a bad team without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, like, whenever he leaves to go to Denver, really praying that he does, 
but whenever he leaves to go to Denver, they definitely won't be, you know, best team in the league good, but I bet that they could still win a division as dysfunctional as the NFC North, just like I bet the Aggies would still be good enough to be a top three team in the whack without Teddy Allen. But Teddy does make NMSU a different monster, and I think he makes them a top 20 mid-major team. Like, Teddy just makes basketball look easy, especially when he's going up against teams in his own conference. Have you noticed that? The incredibly hard circus shots that he hits just kind of look easy to him, and he has a little bit of that good basketball cockiness to him in the way that he just knows that he's capable of doing this stuff. And when he drives to the paint, he kind of just manipulates his way around defenders and finds ways to get his shots off without being blocked. It just looks like he doesn't have to really work that hard to score, kind of like how Aaron Rodgers makes these unbelievable throws look really, really easy, or at least he does in the regular season. I ha- I had money on the 49ers in the playoffs, So, but my point is their sports are easy to these two dudes, especially when they're going up against competition in their own conference or their own division, but they're both part of a well-oiled machine who at the very least is going to be dominant in the regular season, and they happen to be the icing on the cake that makes their team a different monster entirely. Now, if we're going to talk actual value and give this award to the most valuable player in the WAC, I'd have to go with Savion Flag from Sam Houston. There is absolutely no way that team is even among the top half in the conference standings without him. They'd probably have, like, at least eight losses in conference play instead of being 12-3 and three and still having a chance at the WAC regular season title. Sam Houston has eight conference games this year that have been either losses or two possession wins. And Flag is absolutely worth at least an additional eight to 10 points per game for that team, probably more. But I'm lowballing that for the sake of lowballing it. You can't mistake Flag's value, but you can't mistake Teddy Allen's talent either. And yes, Flag and Sam Houston absolutely torched New Mexico State the last time they played. But that game was an absolute anomaly. I literally cannot find in the record books the last time NMSU played a game where it did not have a single player scoring double digits. That really was one of those days where NMSU just didn't show. Like, they just did not show up to the party for whatever reason. But that's an anomaly of a loss that we've only seen one other time this season when the Aggies have played Utah State really, really early in the year. But fortunately, this award isn't the MVP. It's the player of the year which means value doesn't have to be the main and driving factor, and you can really give it to the guy who passes the eye test, looks the most dominant, has the most impressive regular season statistical performance, and you can give it to him without having to to have on your conscience that you need to give it to the guy who's the most valuable. So to me, Teddy Allen, who leads the WAC in scoring and is top five in rebounds, has been the most impressive, the most dominant, passes the eye test, and has the best statistical compilation. And if I'm drafting a t- and if I'm drafting a team with whack players, I'm picking Teddy Allen first. Okay, guys, so for our next guest, we have a very very special treat. I think you're going to recognize this voice the second that you hear it. We have Ed Carnathan, New Mexico State's PA announcer, joining us live on the show. Ed, how's it going, man? Good, Stephen. How are you tonight? 
I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for being on the show. Now, okay, first question I have to ask. Everybody knows, you know, everybody hears, you know, the way that you interact uh, with the crowd. You know, they they hear, you know, you get fired up in some moments. They hear you, you they hear you lower your voice in others. Um, what is your favorite call to make whenever you're watching a New Mexico State game? Oh man, so you know, there's there's a lot of them. Um, I don't necessarily think. Can I can I give you a couple? Is that okay? Absolutely, you can. Okay. All right, so, um, you know, something that, that happens starting this season when, you know, when the ball goes out of bounds and then the Aggies have the possession either by, you know, the other team touching it or uh, on a held ball call and the Aggies, you know, have it on the uh, alternate possession arrow, right? So I always do, you know, uh, ball out of bounds and then if it's the Aggie ball, I add in Aggie ball, right? And then uh, this year, the, the Roadrunner Review, started uh, chanting back at me with Aggie ball after I do it. So that, that was kind of cool. Okay. Uh, what, then, else, what else do you have? Well, you know, many, well, not many, a couple of years ago, we had a player named Eli Chua mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we kind of messing around with some stuff. So when Eli would get a basket for two, I would do Chua for Tua, right? <laughs> and that's always fun. And when, when Johnny dunks it, you know, I, I do the uh, the old, here's Johnny. That's always fun when he gets a, you know, a big-time uh, slam, slam dunk on the court. We use that. Uh, something we, we've started that I, I, I kind of put together this year, you know, we have uh, Mario McKinney Jr. on the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, his, you know, his, his name, his nickname is Rio, Rio McKinney. So I told him, I said, he's got he's to start getting some threes so I can do the Rio for trio. So that's, that's going to be a new one. Uh, we're, yeah, we're, we're hoping to, you know, Rio start, uh, you know, putting down some threes and, and we'll be able to do that. And, and it's, always, it's always great when you announce a, a three-pointer, you know. Uh, you know, Johnny McCann for three, and I really lay into it. Uh, I, I can tell that. That's a good time. I can tell that you've definitely put a good amount of thought into this. I, I can tell this isn't stuff that you're exactly coming up with on yep. the spot. But, yeah, I, I would like to also, but but the uh, the Chua for Tua and the Rio for Trio, I have to uh, I have to give uh, props out to Bill. I don't know if you know Bill. He's one of the scorekeepers. Yeah, yeah, Bill uh, Hardy. At, yeah, Bill Hardy, and he's the one who came up with those. And he just kind of fed them to me. So I told Bill <laughs> I got to start putting putting them on the payroll, I guess. Okay, so I'm curious, uh, whenever, because I never really thought about this until I started talking to you, and then I then I had to ask myself, I was like, do PA announcers actually, like, do they practice this stuff? You know, like, like will, you know, you, will you sit there, you know, on your couch, just going, you know, here's Johnny. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. You gotta, you know, you gotta fine tune those things, and uh, figure out what pitch to use here and there, and what uh, syllables to enunciate a little bit longer and do all that you know cool stuff but i yeah i do it all the time my my uh, wife ronna and my kids get sick of it sometimes because i'll just be watching a regular game right on tv and i'll just be you know announcing the game while the game's on the tv or at home so <laughs> um yeah always practicing always trying to you know trying to get you know always trying to come up with something to bring the aggie fans into the game and get them fired up 
um, and, and get them to be, because the fans, the fans are a big part of the game. Absolutely. They are, mm-hmm. you know, they, they need to get loud when the uh, other team has the ball and it's a critical moment. Sometimes you got to remind them. And I, I do the let's go Aggie fans when that has to happen. Um, you know, but they, you know, the fans are a huge part of the game. So I'm just curious, how did you actually get into the position where you could be the NMS UPA announcer to begin with? Because I'm not sure that, you know, if someone wanted to really be a public address announcer for a division one school, I'm not sure they would even know where to start or like how to, how to even start looking for something right. like that. <laughs> well, you know, there's, as far as I know, there's no school that's become a public address announcer, but you know, I, I, I was always involved in sports my whole life. I played in high school, came to college, played in college. Um, and, and then when, when I graduated, you know, I went for I went to school at NMSU for broadcast journalism. I did, uh, you know, the KRWG uh, newscast at night and anchors of sports. I was the play-by-play announcer for uh, KRUX on campus, and I uh, did all that. And then when I graduated, I started doing uh, well. I was the morning show at 101 Gold here in town. Did the morning show, did the afternoon show sometimes, but I, I started doing play-by-play again. Uh, for one of the local area high schools. And I also did the sideline mic for Jack Nixon and the Aggie broadcast for football. So I did that. And then I can't, I can't even remember one year they asked me and said, Hey Ed, we don't have anybody doing the PA for women's basketball. You want to give it a shot? And I said, sure. Why not? Why not? It'd be fun. I get to use my uh, cool voice. Uh, you know, my nifty voice that the, the good Lord has bestowed upon me. <laughs> and you know, I, I, I get to, I get to do that. So I was, you know, I wasn't really as wild as I am now with this stuff, but you, you kind of learn as you go. So I did one season at women's basketball. I did another season women's basketball and they, they come back and say, Hey, you want to do volleyball too? Sure. Why not? So I do a women's basketball and volleyball. Then the next season they come back, Hey, we want you to do football now too. So, you know, I was doing volleyball in the fall, football in the fall, women's basketball, and then finally, 12 years ago, I think it was 12, they finally handed me the keys to, to Aggie men's basketball, and I've run with it ever since. And it, it's just been great. It, it's been fun doing the games. And I really enjoy interacting with the fans. You know, sometimes I'll be, you know, at the supermarket or something and say something to my wife, and someone will tap me on the shoulder and say, where do I know you from? So <laughs> that's always fun to, you know. So did you ever have dreams of, you know, uh, public address announcing at, you know, I don't know, the NBA finals or the world series or the Super Bowl or, or something like that? Or were you yeah, always I'd, just kind of, yeah, go ahead. No, I'd, I'd love to do that. You know, someday, obviously, you know, right now I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm here, here in Las Cruces for the, uh, you know, several years. I both, uh, my daughters are in school here, so. Um, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I told DJ Downs, he works up uh, in Phoenix now. He worked for the Phoenix Suns, and then he, he works for the uh, the uh, Arizona Coyotes, Phoenix Coyotes. And I always tell him, if they ever need a, a sub, just let me know. I'd be happy to make the, the quick drive up to Phoenix and help out. So, you know, it'll happen. Uh, when, the, when the Chihuahuas uh, came to El Paso, they had a, they had a contest, an open call for the uh, – the PA announcer for the, the Chihuahuas baseball. And I think we had 50 plus at the tryout and they made it all the way down to the final two. Um, and then, you know, they gave it to a guy that's, uh, 
you know, living in El Paso. And in hindsight, that, that, that would have been a lot of driving back and forth, you know, as many baseball games as there are in a season. So, you know, I, I was glad to make it to the finals and be honored with that. Um, but you never know. You never know when it's going to happen. I Hopefully I get some uh, pro ball at some point. All right, so last question I have for you here. Uh, three games left in the regular season. Uh, New Mexico State is in a very, very good chance to win the outright WAC regular season title. Yep. Um, they win three straight games. They're WAC champions. Simple as that. All they have to do is win three games. Yep. Um, you know, are you, uh, you know, is this something to, that you're excited for? And is there anything that fans uh, should look excited or should be excited to hear uh, if and when uh, New Mexico State gets to cut down that net yep. next Saturday? Well, you know, the first thing that Aggie fans should be excited to hear is is that New Mexico State's going to have uh, a couple of home games coming up here in the uh, the final week, um, and they're, they're going to play Utah Valley uh, on on the, the last Saturday. So, you know, that's a that's a big deal. Sorry, my dog's getting all excited. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the you know. We're going to have a home game, and everybody should be out there. Everybody should come out to the game at the Pan Am Center. We're going to be playing Utah Valley in that last game. And who knows? Maybe the championship could be on the line when we're facing them. Well, I think a lot of Aggie fans would definitely be looking forward to that. But, Ed, thank you so much. Thank you so much, man. It has been fantastic to have yep. you on. You've been a great guest. Hey, thank you, Stephen. Appreciate it. Have me on anytime. I'd love to be glad to help out. Definitely. Thanks so much, Ed. Bye-bye. Well, it's that time for the Way Out Wagner prediction, and this one really shouldn't be too hard at all. New Mexico State travels to Chicago State for their final road test of the regular season, and this one should not be too challenging. After a brief first-half scare in their their last outing in Las Cruces, the Aggies turned on the Jets in the second half for a 78-61 victory in the WAC opener, but Chicago State has definitely improved since then and is having its best season in years. The Cougars have won as many conference games this season already as they had the previous four conference seasons combined, and they currently stand to make the conference tournament. Remember there that this season, the last place team in the league will not qualify for the for the WAC tournament, and Dixie State and Tarleton State won't qualify either as they continue to make the jump from Division Two to Division One. It doesn't change the fact that Chicago State hasn't ranked higher than 335th in Ken Palm this season. But they have a substan- but they have substantially improved, although I'm gonna have to take New Mexico State 84 to 60. Folks, that's it for season one, episode 15 of the Aggie Wagon Podcast. Again, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. As always, be sure to leave a like if you enjoy the podcast. You can follow the Lost Cruces Sun News and MSU basketball coverage on our website. You can follow me on Twitter at StephenWag22. That's Stephen with a PH. So until next time, I'll bid you folks farewell and happy trails. <laughs>